Greetings and salutations, everyone. It's Eric Luce here. February 2nd, 2023. We're going to put this out on the Your Trip is Short podcast as episode number 92. The only place I really know where to put it right now. The only real active thing I have going on my own that might have a small audience. And I don't need one, nor do I necessarily want one. But it feels like today... One year post-diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis, ironically, on Rheumatoid Arthritis Awareness Day. I wanted to look back over this last year and talk about a handful of things, and this may be long, it could be meandering, it could be not what you expect, and you can skip forward through all of it. Just get to the music. I don't really care what you do with it. I don't even care if you really listen, but just felt important to kind of sit back and reflect on this past year probably for my own well-being, because that's been a lot of what I've worked on over these last handful of years. And that's why I I don't have an agenda. I don't have a topic list. I don't even know really what I'm going to be talking about. So there's not going to be any show notes of note. Just going to be me kind of rambling. And I don't need to go back into too much in the past. But for those that uh, may not know, Real quick, I guess, of course, after being sick through the latter part of 2021 and being falsely diagnosed with Lyme disease in December of 2021 and then repeat, you know, Lyme diagnosis in late January of 2022. On February 2nd, 2022, so one year ago today, I was formally diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And that was something that I was not aware of. It's something that I've become much more in tuned with over this last year. And it's been something that, of course, has completely transformed my life in many positive ways. And the biggest that I will say, looking back at it, has been my new association with alcohol. And I don't want to wrap this entire episode around my changing life with alcohol, but I'm going to actually link to the latest episode of No Thought Required, a podcast that I do with my friends, uh, Polly V and Rev and Troy Millette guests with myself most often, uh, where I talk a lot about my drinking. And uh, Rev turns it into a, a mock interview uh, that it really wasn't supposed to occur, but it ended up going that route. So I'll talk, you know, link to the show notes there where I, I talk a lot about this. But what my diagnosis did was give me a chance to uh, evaluate really what I needed to do in my life. And I remember meeting with my a rheumatologist, Dr. Paxton, on February 2nd, one year ago, where she went over some of the medication choices that um, are available for rheumatoid arthritis, and there's many. And the first one that she rolled out was perhaps the most common, maybe, and that's uh, methotrexate, and it's one that's notoriously hard on the liver. And she warned me right up front that if I was to use that one, I should not drink on it. And... I made a conscientious decision on that day to accept that because I knew my relationship with alcohol had to change. Uh, It was something that I had been using really for 26 years, alcohol, but I had most heavily been using it over the last six months when I was sick to numb my pain and mentally and physically. And it did a good job uh, temporarily. But 
there would also be many times where it mentally would uh, live in regret in my mind. And when I was given that choice to use methotrexate for my diagnosis, I just decided then and there that, you know what, I really need to dry out. And this perhaps is the best chance that I have to give myself a legitimate excuse to slow down my drinking. And one year post, it has not only slowed it down, but it's essentially made me stop drinking entirely. I'm going to say that I've probably drank 10 times over the last year. The last one, a quick 1.9% ABV Hill Farmstead beer that I had by choice during dry January. And ironically, that's the month that everybody usually dries up completely for one reason or another. And I was going to, but I was just given a unique opportunity to try a beer that I really wanted to try. And that was a low ABV and uh, didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to. And nor was, you know, I just sent out a tweet on this the other day. I've still got a beer in my fridge from probably my all-time favorite beverage, and that's Hill Farm, oh, sorry, Hill Farm stood on the brain, Fiddlehead's Mastermind, which I've had a, a great relationship with over the years, a blog post, a, you know, a changing event that revolves around Mastermind and kind of flies under the radar for Fiddlehead, but a beer that I greatly love that, I picked up a four-pack of in uh, late summer, I want to say early, early fall, and had one fresh. It, of course, was amazing. Shared one with a friend, as I like to do. Gave one to him, I should say. And then had one a couple months in that it had aged very differently than I had anticipated, and it was not enjoyable. And the last one is, is truthfully, probably going to just be a drain pour. And that alone shows me how different my relationship is with alcohol, because I had one and it just was not what I expected it to be. And so uh, it's just really went to show me that uh, I've kind of appreciated alcohol in a new way. And looking back over this last year, I've had a couple of decent alcohol types of events that I've been around, sharing them with friends, uh, serving them, of course, with my uh, employment at the Spank Puppy and uh, just a newfound appreciation all the way around, top to bottom, and that's whether it affects me directly, whether it affects my friends, whether it affects patrons, whether it affects complete strangers. I've just really sat back and appreciated it in a much different way. And now that I'm a year in and I can sit and think about it, I've got a, a beer cellar that's 10 feet from me that's probably got, you know, $1,000 plus worth of beer in it, uh, some new, some liquor bottles new and opened that I've just kind of saved maybe for a rainy day, maybe to share with uh, friends to just give away. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but I just don't feel the draw to any of the uh, aforementioned uh, beers or whiskey bourbons that I used to have. And I'm completely and utterly comfortable with that. I've found a definite appreciation for the non-alcoholic beer scene that has become leaps and bounds over these last couple of years, mainly thanks to uh, a brewery such as Athletic out of Connecticut, which is making some outstanding non-alcoholic beers uh, because I... I've always liked to taste over these, you know, you don't just lose uh, an affection for something that you've been drinking for 25 years. So it's been great to still have that taste of alcohol, or I should say beer without the alcohol. 
not so much with the non-alcohol spirits. I've only really tried one, but I drank it straight and really need to mix it up in a cocktail. But looking back, it's in such a better space mentally and physically because of my new appreciation of alcohol, what it does to you in many ways and shapes and forms. And over this last year, I've coped with the biggest barrier, and that was not being able to socialize, I thought at first, with the friends that I had because of how alcohol was such an important factor to that. And that was my biggest thing that that I needed to cope with between February 2nd and say the first four months was disassociating my need to drink to socialize. I think the biggest change that was, was July 11th, July 12th, when I started working for the Spank Puppy. And not only can you, of course, not drink when you're on duty, but I wasn't drinking anyhow, but I was needing to associate with complete strangers uh, instantaneously and needing to break the ice in any way, shape or form. And I learned quite off the bat that I needed to cope with the situation that uh, was in front of me. And that's basically just, you know, pulling the band-aid right off and talking to somebody and slipping into a conversation and uh, learning the hospitality industry, which was something that I was been a part of for the last, you know, whatever, my whole life being around it in some way, shape or form, but to actually work in it is much different. And fortunately I've got a customer service background, public speaking background that enabled me to slide into these situations and feel much more comfortable. So really since July, when I started working at the Spank Puppy on the side, that I found I was much more able to cope with my situations, public, private, without drinking. And I'm extremely thankful to Ted and Christine for giving me the opportunity to be over there at the Spank Puppy on my nights that I've been able to work. And just so much enjoy being around the public and having that much more deep appreciation to alcohol and what it does to me, what it does to, you know, folk that I'm working with. And that was such an immensely important part of this last year of me too. So the last, what, six months, let's say that it's already been, I've been at the Spank Puppy and just taking every day not for granted and appreciative of the situation that has uh, arisen over these last six months working with them. Being really a work-from-home individual over these last, let's call it almost, you know, 15, 16 years I've worked from home more often than not. And all of a sudden I'm now working in I don't know, the public eye, if you will, you know, being behind the bar, being on the floor serving over these last six months, really, really talk about rip off the bandaid. I've gone from working from home, being behind closed doors, behind four walls for years now to being out there and meeting new individuals on the daily, meeting, you know, new friends, new acquaintances, new coworkers every day is a gift. And I've immensely immensely enjoy it. I finally found a job that I can sink my teeth into, that every day is slightly different, a new circumstance, a new person, a new relationship, and I love it so much. It's hard to comprehend what it's like to finally find uh, a job that I feel like I was built for. 
Uh, one of the reasons why I went to be uh, a DJ back in 93, late 93, I enrolled New England School of uh, Broadcasting, now the New England School of Communications, is like I wanted to have a job that I could wake up and really throw myself at every single day. And unfortunately, and you find this out really early in broadcasting school, that uh, that's probably not going to be radio because the circumstances don't present themselves to be well, monetarily successful. Of course, jobs aren't always about the financing end of things, but they are about, you know, freedom and enjoyment and passion and love and laughter. And a lot of that does present in radio, but I've not put myself into that situation that gave me all of those things that I was looking for. And after hunting and pecking and stumbling and falling into jobs for you know, my entire life, really, let's say these last 28 years, especially 29 years of working since uh, post high school, I finally found myself one that I'm really just looking forward to every day. I'm only working there a couple of days a week and I want to work there more. It's like, I want to take every shift I can. I want to be in front of people more. I want to be in that environment that's just been so warm and so welcoming that ironically revolves around alcohol, but it really involves around service, hospitality, keeping and helping, you know, new acquaintances and giving them a hand, whatever that may be, taking orders, uh, bringing them, presenting them with something that they want, whether it's a laugh, whether it's a plate of wings, whether it's a beer or a soda. I love it so much that I really feel like I finally found my calling and I look forward to doing it more and more on the daily. So that's been such a huge, huge part of this last year. I've refound the work that I was doing in 2020 during COVID. Uh, I've decided for those that, well, whether you've heard it or not, very early in COVID, I didn't want to gain, I joked, the COVID-19. So rather than uh, gaining weight, I decided to shed weight. I was able to reshed weight over this last year and get down to the lowest I've probably been since probably grade school. Started feeling amazing. Wanted to make sure that uh, during my work, my battle with rheumatoid arthritis, I didn't put any unnecessary weight or pain on my joints. So I, I shed weight, got out to walking and getting out into nature Every day that I could and every day that I was able to get sunlight in my eyes, I was thankful every day that I was able to walk, whether it's just a couple of miles or four miles, 20 minutes or an hour and 10 minutes, I was grateful for and thankful for. And every day here in, well, February, but through January, I was able to get outside more often than not. And I was thankful for that and grateful for that. And some days pain-free, some days not so much, but still compared to the pain that I was experiencing one year ago, it's been relatively low. And through my work with my primary care physician and my rheumatologist, I tell them every time that I visit, I'm just trying to understand, is this the level of pain that I need to cope with? And it's so minor compared to what I was living with uh, one year ago that uh, I'll take it. And I'm experiencing some lower back pain right now because of a a slip on the ice last week. But I just already can't wait to get back to norm, get 
you know, that behind me to be able to get outside and walk, to get on the elliptical. I'm missing my daily movement. And it doesn't take much and say it's it's well, I'm trying to close my ring on my Apple Watch. So I have that set up for I think it's 25 minutes of activity. But it's amazing how, you know, sedentary I've been. So many people are, but especially I have been over these last you know 30 years of working predominantly office work. You realize that how much of a day I was spending in a chair, staring at a computer. I mean, eight hours a day. And so many people are too. And once I was able to get up and start moving around, mainly over these last six months, all my shifts at the puppy, I was able to put in my steps and and realize that there were some good days, especially when the Outback was open over at the puppy. I'm putting in, you know, after my walk, 15, 18, 22,000 steps a day and loving every minute of it, the movement and the freedom of uh, beating feet out there and, and coming back at night and feeling grateful for that opportunity to do that. And during my time where I have been sitting at my desks over the last handful of months, how you know, sore I am after an hour or two of, of being in, in place and being stationary once again. And I know that's a little bit of my RA or a lot of bit of my RA uh, speaking to me, but I've been able to, you know, relate to how my life has just been treating me. And, you know, I'm paying the consequence now of living with something that's never going to cure. It's never going to go away. It's something that I'm always going to have to treat, but I'm thankful for catching that, treating it and dealing with it accordingly. And I've been you know, stationary more often than not over these last five days or a week or so while my back has been uh, sore and it hurts me literally and mentally to sit there and just want to be on this other side of this back pain. And I know how good I felt over these last handful of months and know that I'll be at that spot again. So I'm thankful for knowing I'll be back there again. Also thankful for the work I've been doing with not only my therapist that I've been working with, with Annika over this last two plus years now, but work that I've been doing individually with a couple of different counselors, uh, including a, a gentleman that has been volunteering his time to work with my mental and physical wellness over these last five or six months. And they're only hour long sessions every couple of weeks, but incredibly important to have somebody to talk to about anything. It can be small, it can be large, but to have somebody that is there to talk to uh, about necessities. And they can be emotional, they can be mental, they can be physical, they can be any combination of the three at any given time. But to have that person to talk to, been tremendously grateful for that. And uh, Jeremy may not ever hear this, but uh, he's been there for me and tremendously grateful to have him in my life and look forward to those times that we're able to talk. And it's been someone I've never met physically, but he's a, a face on the other side of Zoom over these last six months or so and just tremendously, tremendously grateful. And uh, the therapist that I've been working with with Annika over these last two years, same thing, never met her 
face to face. But since December 10th of 2020, we've met her uh, over time, you know, sometimes every two weeks, sometimes every week, sometimes every month. Heck, we had to go through her maternity leave over these last uh, eight months that she's gone through. And uh, we've always put in the work and she's been there for us. And I've been tremendously grateful for that. Everybody should have somebody to speak to, whether it's individually, whether it's with your partner, to help see things through. Uh, COVID has shined that light on the importance of mental well-being, and you need to have that person to talk to, uh, even if it's a friend, a parent, a loved one, or someone you pay for that service. Please don't ever feel alone and don't ever feel like you're battling things by yourself. Reach out. I mean, whether you know me or whether not, reach out if I can be of help. Um, however you need to reach me, send me an email, Eric D. Lucier, E-R-I-C-D-L-U-S-S-I-E-R at gmail.com. I'd be glad to lend an ear, Zoom, phone, physical, you know, by virtual, it doesn't matter. I'll I'm there to talk to. There's someone there to talk to. Please reach out if you need help. And I've decided as I've looked for things to do over this next year and beyond to rather than helping just anyone, I want to reach out to some people individually that have been there for me in the past, that have been friends in the past, new or old, and I'm going to reach out to them one-on-one individually and say, how can I help? Can we hang out? Do you have something that I can help you with? Or a side project, your main job, whatever it is. I've got a little bit of spare time and I want to help more. And at, right now, I'm going to reach out to friends close by first. But I just want to help anyone and everyone because... That's what I've discovered is really been a little bit of my why. I've always known I've done a little bit more work on my why over these last just 30 days, but have certainly discovered through my work over these last couple of years how much I enjoy making myself present, making myself known, and helping out whomever I can, however I can. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to sit down and do this today, put this out there, talk one month post-diagnosis, put this out there, make myself a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more known, and have it be known. And I know that when I sat down behind this mic and turned it on 23 minutes ago, I had more thoughts that immediately came to mind. But that being said, Perhaps this is the perfect way for me to put this out here there on 23 to 1 and also put this out there on your trip is short. So since nothing else immediately comes to mind, thank you for bearing with me. Thank you for listening. I'm going to put some music on your trip is short after this. If you're on 23 to 1, this is all you get. So they'll be putting this out there in a couple of different ways. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Eric Lucier. I love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please do remember your trip is short.